0: it. Across the UK, online
1: and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio.
2: Fembot can go to hell.
1: Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the Hour of Badass Power.
3: Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares.
1: Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One,
0: two, three.
4: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And coming up, we're going to be talking about Jenny Murray and what it takes to be a real woman. Sharmadian Reid, founder of War Nails, is giving us business advice. And we'll be asking, are we too scared to talk about race? As ever, if you like what you hear or have a comment to make, make sure you tweet us using the hashtag B-A-W-H. But first up, we're going to be asking, what does it take to actually be an adult? Emma, tell us. Well, apparently it, it, it
2: means that you need to go to a special adult school. So in Maine, um, in the US, somebody, well, two, uh, a wellbeing coach and a psychologist, a psychotherapist, have set up an adulting school to teach students the essential skills it needs to be a successful grown-up. What are the skills that you need to be a successful grown-up? Apparently you need to know, they're going to teach people everything from financial planning to meditation to folding laundry
4: actually i really don't know how to fold my laundry i I just literally i bundle it up i throw it in the closet and i pull it out
5: yeah i also never
4: iron
2: i just take everything to the dry cleaner
5: as a retail girl (laughs) i am fully there with the folding but as you were saying i was like yeah so i i can't change light bulbs that's my one there's been a light bulb out in my passageway on a very dangerous bit of the stairs and it's been out for the last maybe five months and I need to call an electrician because that I don't know what to do. Uh, I can't. I can't change a fuse.
4: Really?
2: See, yeah. I
5: can do that. So my school was quite good.
4: So they taught us how to change a fuse, how to change a light bulb, how to change a tyre, um, but they didn't teach us any form of financial planning. How to calm yourself down when you're having a full-on panic attack. How to not be a complete horrible person to somebody on the bus who's pushed past you? Useful <laughs> stuff Useful for stuff. daily life,
5: exactly. But that trigonometry is coming super handy. <laughs> Do you know home economics? I did home economics, stop no. And actually, seriously, it was really good. So I, some of the things my special teachers within home economics, I, I make now. I actually really enjoyed it. That's the only blessing I made a life sweet and sour and a
2: chocolate log. The chocolate log was biased a this roll and covered it in chocolate icing. That was
5: it. It was the last time I baked anything sweet i haven't done anything like that since but I, I you know if if people need it i you know some of my brothers sometimes i think oh,
2: yeah who's going to go this to adult adulting school. school
4: basically millennials and women i'm like why what what do you know why that is do you know why that is emma why? because the men have women around them either their wives or their mothers who are adulting for you them think? Okay, they do need not to need to adult. revolution okay. Yeah.
2: okay yeah. but I'm, I'm right up for an adult school because there is a lot that you just don't get taught that you have to work out what would you want to have been taught? Uh, mortgage advice and a bit of psychology, please.
4: Yeah, a bit of psychology. Mortgage advice.
2: Like, if I didn't have my dad, I'm very fortunate my dad is super hot on the financials. And quite often I used to loan my dad out to my friends because I was like, <laughs> sometimes, like, you just, yeah, and like to do that financial planning because he had a background in that. So, yeah, yeah like the mortgages, mm. one that looks cheap, but then when you do the calculations, you're paying more. I'm like, what, what, what?
5: Yeah. How did you get to that? I'm On bills and stuff, it's a sense so that I'm one of those never switching once I'm with uh, so H just looks at me Yeah, I never switch I've been with the same provider since I moved into my flat I don't get any deals Um, Yeah, I don't really know how to do those sorts of things
4: I would never switch either because I hate the paperwork but I do like saving the money Uh, so our second story this week is actually about Jenny Murray the bastion of the original woman's hour the original one Not us, the other one. (laughs) (laughs) The other one (laughs) from the other place. Um, So Jenny Murray this week was in the Sunday Times where she's written an article about her experience with trans women and why she thinks that perhaps the debate has gone the wrong way. Um, And she actually thinks that trans women have not too much of a voice, but that they're shutting the argument down and they're not letting other people speak. And in the article, she makes a comment where she says, you know, by all means, call yourself a trans woman, be part of the community, but know that you're not a real woman. And she, her argument is you just haven't been through some of the life experiences that make you a real woman. And I read it and I love Jenny Murray. I love her. She is a big hero of mine. Um, But I didn't think it was a great argument. I didn't love it. And I felt that because I was like, actually, some of these things that you think we need to be a real woman, I know biologically from the beginning of time real women who don't fit that criteria Emma what did you think yeah I was the same
6: I
2: think my first intention was like what I really annoyed about this like and then we had that dinner this week and Nat you said something really important that dinner which is like we need to be able to have these open conversations about things and she put some stuff out there that I think was very brave things for her to say because people don't like to have uncomfortable conversations but I was with you H because I was like you know having known somebody who's gone through the trans journey and how hard that is you know you like if you're a trans person and you've gone from say male to female you haven't spent your entire, entire time as a male skipping around enjoying your male privilege that has been a time of torment because society has not allowed you to really live your life the way that you want to live you've done a lot of working out so that really jarred with me and then the whole that you know you should have a, a bigger understanding and you know she was, she was identifying some trans people that said something about what they were wearing and that was all they were concerned about I mean I know women who who think that way and I'm like why are we suddenly deciding whether you're a real woman or you're not that just felt like it was like a progressive conversation then it was like a three steps backwards conversation. The thing I think. that was
4: really interesting to me was she said one of the things about being a real, real woman is you've been through the experiences. If you know what it's like to be objectified, you know what it's like to not have your rights, you know what it's like to have people explain things to you the whole time, even though you know the answer. You know, and you know what it's like to be kind of sexualized and looked at from a sexual point of view. And she said, you know, um, when she was talking to trans women, she uses the And she said, oh, you know, I, one of my friends turned to, became a trans woman and then all she was concerned with was what she was going to wear when she did that and what she was going to look like and i was like you know i know i know women who literally all they are concerned with is what they're going to look like i know women who deny that there's a pay gap i know women who say feminism is not necessary and i will not call myself a feminist i know women who say women have more rights than men and so i don't think that is actually about what your gender is that you're born with it's about your experiences through the world and how you have grown up to see the world yeah and actually maybe what we need to start saying is it's not how you see the world that makes you a real or not real woman what it is it's about educating everyone men and women from the very earliest of starts as to the experiences that people who are different from them have and how they do that yeah now, what do you think
5: so I have a different issue with both the article and the the backlash um, and just to share, so, uh, we had a, a dinner that was hosted by Virgin this week, and I got to sit next to the wonderful Monroe Bergdorf. And we spoke, we, I have never met a trans woman before. Um, and I just said, Look, I need to be really honest with you and say, I don't know anything. I have my own preconceptions. Let's just talk. Um, and it was amazing because where we got to was a place of me understanding what my fundamental issue is when I I hear about sort of the lobby and some of the quite aggressive conversations that happen and my biggest thing is you cannot or you should not ignore one person's truth to give comfort to your own so if someone is saying something about how they feel and what is important to them you shouldn't dismiss it because it disempowers you in a way and I think part of the reasons we're in the problems we are in the world is because people shut down what other people believe to be to be true. I'm also in the space of, you know, call yourself whatever you want, whatever makes you happy. But you don't have to penalize me or remove what gives me my identity to ensure you have your own. That is not how this works, especially as women.
4: So is that sort of along the like we had an article a few weeks ago about um the call for, uh, rather than calling in the
5: NHS, calling it motherhood, exactly. calling it parenthood. exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, again, in, in Jenny's article, she, she speaks about the fact that people want it to be called chest cancer. People want breast cancer to be referred to as chest cancer. Again, you know, breasts and vaginas are not your enemy here. Uh, with the women's march there was a movement against wearing t-shirts and, and monroe and i spoke about this i was like you know what what's the offense with me wearing it not that i was wearing them, but wearing a t-shirt with a vagina on ultimately if we are all to stand together as women this is not where where the fight is you know for a women's movement to move forward there has to be some unity i heard about heard about the term um is it turfs so all all of this was completely new to what me. What turfs?
4: So turfs so are when you kind of deny any that transgender women are in any way women, and they shouldn't exist.
5: Right. Okay. Yeah. And and so there's a, a lobby uh, ag- against um, uh, turfs, and I just all of this is really really divisive and negative behaviour, yes. and I it, I think it it stops what for me is actually a very 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 important conversation that trans women are actually being killed in the last two months seven trans women of color were killed in the u.s that is the conversation i want to have i feel like this is all all a distraction from the fact that trans women do not have the rights they should have and actually the terminology is for me irrelevant let's be whoever you want to be i think but let's fight the core of the issue
2: we're mixing in uh biological sex Versus masculine and femininity. I mean, you you know me. I've I've wanted to stop talking for gender for a long time. I think mm. you should be able to identify with whatever you whatever you want. And you know, I don't know why we're having
4: this discussion about real women. I agree. I think I don't know. I kind of feel like if you want to get on board with the women's movement, I just don't care how you get there. Just get on board with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so our final story for this week actually kind of picks up on the theme, which is about kind of expressing stuff that it just doesn't get said enough and it doesn't get talked about enough and obviously this week was International Women's Day and so if you've turned on a computer you will have inevitably been inundated with a million and ten lists and plans and people you should follow um, all celebrating great women and much as it frustrates me that there's only one day a year when the national press remembers when's to celebrate when women International Men's Day again at uh, seventeenth uh, uh, November. I'm 17th of seventeenth November. Whoa, um, whoa, 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 whoa! What? Yes, what? yes, there is an International Men's are you Day. Serious? Yeah,
5: yes, I and
2: everyone and everyone always, and men always ask you on International Women's Day when? Well, when's International Men's Day? So I missed this memoed,
5: and again, I don't, I don't. Have, if men, if you want a day to celebrate, I feel like you know, three hundred and sixty-five days are your celebration days. Fine. But again it's this lobby what what is it I just oh, oh I just They gotta say ce- but me celebrating me is not is not me discriminating against yeah. you. Yes. I it's just yeah. I I don't get it. It's yeah. really what frustrating. was The thing I posted
2: on Instagram the other day equal equal rights um equal rights for all does not mean taking away from you or something it's not a pie exactly. There's a summary it's, it's not like, a pie yeah that's how people feel they are getting really like defensive and going no 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 like but sorry H you were, you were referring to so <laughs> the, we were new talking story. about
4: a news story for this week and so we were talking looking at all the various lists and there was one that generated a bit of debate for us internally because we weren't very happy with it Nat yeah. do you want to tell us about
5: it so uh, a list went out this week which had the 12 best empowering films for women and it was an evening standard um article and there were uh, a whole series of of movies on there 12 of them featured matilda bend it like beckham mad max fury road and anyone who knows me i love a good action movie (laughs) so i really enjoyed mad max um that there was uh a yeah, uh, league of their own again you know for me another uh, fun childhood movie. but I noticed there were two movies on there that I did not feel empowered women at all and that was uh, precious and the help. Both of these women, uh, movies I must say actually they did very well in the awards season and they have brilliant actresses in them. I'm not saying that the movies themselves were not were, were not important. I just do not find them to be empowering movies specifically as a black woman.
4: So specifically, because I know obviously we've discussed it, but on that list, Mm -hmm. what was it about that list that made them stand out for you and you go, hang on a minute, this does not work?
5: It was those movies in in relation to the rest of the the other movies on the list. So the movies that featured white women, whether that was Mad Max or First Wives Club or Matilda, it was still where the, the female protagonist, yes, she went on a journey. Every movie has a journey and it was hard, but she wasn't being abused she wasn't being you know she was not raped she was not treated badly and the two movies that that we had were ones where you know we were treated like scum of the earth we were abused by white people and raped I was like I would not sit my daughter down and say this is empowerment honey this is empowerment no way and so I got really frustrated about this and and we then had a long dialogue and then I had a dialogue with the actual person that created the list which borne out a whole new era of frustration for me because on my first attempt to say would you consider changing them she was very defensive and we started to have a conversation about it and and why why I thought the list should be changed and it took a long process for her to realise that actually there was something wrong here but the shift was in my opinion Emma intervening and saying you need to look at this through different eyes Yeah. And at that point, the tone of the conversation changed.
0: Yeah.
2: So, Emma, where did that come from for you? I think i could I could see Natalie's frustration and I could see the defensiveness and that people weren't uh, this person wasn't listening and I basically just said to her, I said, look, as a overprivileged white person, we have to acknowledge that sometimes we think we're being diverse but we're not actually being inclusive because we we don't understand we we're very ignorant of that. We talked earlier before this show that as you know as a black person you have to you have to fit into white culture, you have to understand that because you've you've had to navigate that since day zero I never have had to navigate black culture mm-hmm. in that way to really get on in the world so I'm totally ignorant of this stuff and I hold my hands up to it but I, you know I'm learning and I think that's what I reached out to her and said look it's okay but there is a problem here and you need to listen to Nat and you need to have a conversation with Nat
4: mm-hmm. um, and I think so what was really interesting to me when we talked about this this morning was I said actually I've been in that situation loads of times where people have come to me and said write an article we need a list give us a list and I almost certainly would have written exactly that list Mm -hmm. and then that pointed out and the second he did I went oh my god I can't believe that I would have done that Mm -hmm. and so that's for me I think it's so interesting that we have this conversation and we're going to keep this conversation going because we think it's really important and we want to kind of Make a space where everyone can have it, but we are going to take a little break now because we need to bring in our guest for the next section, the amazing Charmaine Reed, founder of War Nails. Um, but if you've liked what we've been talking about so far, or if you want to add to it, or if you've got comments you want to make, do tweet us using the hashtag BAWH, and we'll be back with Charmaine shortly.
1: Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.
4: Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And we are also joined by the amazing Sharma Dean reed founder of War Nails. Sharma, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you. So, uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, race in the UK and how we talk about it or don't talk about it and our natural kind of response when we get a bit defensive about things. Because, Emma, you raised this, which is like that instant feeling when somebody says something you think oh my god I'm in the wrong so I'm going to go on the defensive about it do you find that? Yeah because I've
2: always noticed it with men around the gender problem and now I'm noticing it around white people with the race problem so we're just getting really defensive and not being really open to those conversations and that was half the problem with that Twitter thing it was like just be open to this someone's flagged something up to you as an overprivileged white person Mm -hmm. have a little chat with yourself that was basically my
5: but I, I think you know my frustration was that my first point that this needs to be changed, the list needs to be changed, was just not taken on board. So yeah. you're shut. My voice is not important enough for you. Yeah. And it takes someone else. And I said this in my message to you guys. I was like, someone else that looks like you yeah. to ram home the point. Mine, my voice isn't isn't good enough. So there was a frustration there, and I was being very careful as I res- was responding back to not to not attack. But to just say, look, you know, and where I closed off was, if you think your list is valid, fine. I understand your motivation and intent. You wanted it to be a diverse list, but I'm telling you those movies are not empowering for black women. Do what you want with that. And here's a link to why I'm no longer talking to white people about race and two more (laughs) videos that you could include if you wanted them. And again, in the journalist's defense, it's, it's not about her at all. She sent me a lovely message saying, look, I've looked at the videos. I have read the essay. I completely understand what you mean. I know what I've done wrong. And actually, I've been thinking about it all day. And again, she has changed her list. So she now has a full suite of 12 videos that are actually really good and empowering for women to watch. And she included the Queen of of Catway in there, which is brilliant. And she put The Princess and the Frog, which again is a lovely movie. She put that in as opposed to the ones that she had, but she didn't know about them. And I think this is the other thing. If you don't know... Like you said, you're going to pick the two movies that jump out to you because they weren't uh, Oscar nominated or, or award winning. But it means there's so much more to do. And we talk about this. I avoid talking about race. It has been a standoff. I'm not yeah. talking about it issue for me. For mo- most weeks, I'm like not talking <laughs> about it. We have had it. a big debate, yeah. Um, but when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to stop talking about yeah. race because... Yeah we're not going to move forward it shouldn't be that much hard work and also you do it
4: really well and the one thing that Twitter has taught me if it has taught me anything actually there's several other things but they're not appropriate (laughs) for this time of day but it has definitely taught me that actually when somebody sends you a tweet that you feel a bit defensive about walk away from it Mm. and have a really good think about whether that is a valid thing to be defensive about or whether actually They've got a point that you're just not hearing. And have a cup of tea. Generally, in the space of that cup of tea, you know the answer. Shamra, are you a Twitter fan? Do you use it a lot? Yeah, I love Twitter, but I use all
3: my social channels in very different ways. So I try not to get engaged on Twitter because when I have in the past, I have found it completely unproductive when people are trolling about something or... I remember once actually um, when there was a nomination for empowering companies for something and we were like oh we should be on that list one now and someone was like why you just paint now and I was like whoa you don't know anything about my company like it started out as a feminist fanzine and we've done this and we've done that and I was just like launched into this exactly what you said quite defensive diatribe about why I thought we should be on a list they're always about a list aren't they um, but then I wouldn't talk about particular issues on Twitter I tend to use it just for business Mm -hmm. I don't use it well very rarely do I use it for personal like thoughts or projects I tend to do that more on my Instagram because I find my Instagram following much more natural friends and family and people who admire me as a whole person Mm. whereas my Twitter is about business So so actually on my Instagram I did post something race related very recently and I think that if you feel something and you have a voice and a platform to say and start a discussion, I think you should. And I've always done that my whole life.
4: So tell us about actually, tell us about Warnails, how it got started, because it did start as a voice and a discussion, right?
3: Yeah. So war well started because in 2005, and five six, when I was twenty twenty one at university, um, there was a lot of music videos on like on mtv they were all about women being half naked dancing Mm -hmm. around it was just that era you know there's always eras of taste and like style and music videos and it was like 50 cent was huge jar rule it was all these artists and in every video there'd be like booty shaking video girls i'd moved to london from wolverhampton and hip-hop wasn't a culture in Wolverhampton it was all about garage and house so when I came to London I was so excited to go to hip-hop clubs but when I got there I didn't actually know like who to be I was like wait am I meant to be wearing like a slutty dress or am I meant to be dressing like a tomboy mm-hmm. like I was so confused and wah was an expression of me organizing all my thoughts and feelings about it. And it actually stands for We Ain't Hoes because I was only I was <laughs> young. We <laughs> you were asking me. Ask me what was I was only young. and um, It's a good name now, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I just use it as a platform to promote, talk about, interview girls who are all involved in the four corners of hip-hop, like graffiti, rapping, break dancing, and DJing, but that had clothes on. And it was like... <laughs> It was, you know, I sat in my bedroom for two months every day after university just making this zine to teach myself the computer programmes and then somehow Echo Clothing heard about it and sponsored it and then I had 10,000 copies which I took around to clubs for the next three years giving them out for free to any girls who were like... Because hip-hop wasn't popular like it is now mm. so there would be maybe like 10 girls in a club at any hip-hop event. Yeah. wasn't a big deal for girls to go. There would always be girlfriends of people into hip-hop so i give them the magazine and hope that they would feel the same way i did and i just built up a following like that
4: that's amazing and how did it then transform from just a magazine into everything it is now because it's a whole nail care brand i think you're launching a new uh entrepreneur young entrepreneur
3: it's a award? lifestyle right Life yeah as a
5: lifestyle
4: i mean for me it
3: always because it was just such a personal project that I did when I was so young. I didn't have a I wasn't starting a business, you know. It was like a fun side like a hobby. But as you know now, everyone's hobbies are their businesses. Every blogger makes money from it. Everyone who starts a, you know, little side food stall turns it into like a business. So, I had I was styling and I'm doing brand consultancy and I had a bit of extra money and I just Was like, I'm going to open a nail salon for fun because hip hop girls get their nails done (laughs) and it would be a physical place to connect all the girls digitally who were like, like, you know, scattered around. So imagine, like I said, you're one of 10 girls in a club of 200 guys listening to hip hop. I wanted all those like individual girls to feel like they had a home. Mm. So I thought phys- physical spaces are important for that. So I opened this shop with, like, no money. It literally looked like my bedroom. It did not look like a salon at all. And opened it in Dalster in 2009. And even before then, I'd done girl business talks at the ICA. So it was more just like a platform for whatever I wanted to talk about. And then after I had my baby, I thought, oh, this is quite popular now. Better get my head down and turn it into something. <laughs>
4: how did having a baby change your attitude to work
3: it made me realize how nothing is like life or death Mm. because you've created life right so you actually know like what it means to create life and then all the little problems that you worried about before you're like this is so minor compared to the fact that I am woman I have created (laughs) (laughs) um
5: so yeah it just made me a lot more chilled out to be honest and like it's, way more chilled so you now are you, with future girl corp are you taking everything that you've learned over the sort of the history of, of building your career and saying right this is the 101 of how you get started and how you avoid the pitfalls what's the idea behind it so
3: future girl corp was something that we launched officially in october last year because i'd done girl business talks throughout the for the last eight years but really randomly without a formal program without a formal name and in the last few years there have been so many like female business networks events etc. It really occurred to me, actually partly through that Twitter rant, that people don't know the breadth of what we do because I don't really talk about it. I don't do it for any kind of recognition we just put them on as we feel. So I thought actually I know that what we do is really high quality stuff like I've been to a lot of networking events for women that aren't very good Mm -hmm. and I was like we can make it so chill. We can make it really actionable advice. We can make it, like, stop all, like, completely demystify when people are like, yeah, so I just met this person who gave me this money and did that. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. Like, I remember doing a talk where someone was like, yeah, so I started my business on my kitchen table. She lives in, like, a mansion. So, like, yeah, your kitchen table is the size of someone's entire flat. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think it's fair for women to think think that it is like a walk in the park Mm -hmm. because it's not and it's everyone tries to make it really breezy and easy it's not like that so I was like no this is what you got to do pen and paper out make a list do this xyz this is what I messed up on you don't mess up on that so yeah Future Girl Corp was really about strategic and actionable insight
4: and if somebody wants to get involved in Future Girl Corp where can they find out more about it so futuregirlcorp.com has nice. all of the
3: events the blog posts we've recorded everything we've ever done to turn it into a podcast series and yeah we're on social actually our facebook group is really active mm. so if you look if you search it um on facebook our group is we have like 350 members in there and they're all chatting
4: brilliant Great. thank you sharma so we are actually going to go into a break because our next section is our badass Bulls ups where we will be talking about the problems that you have and applying our combined wisdom to try and help you solve all of them we'll be looking at how to get funding for your business what to do when you've used your snapchat filter a bit too much and how to get started with a podcast which we know a little something about so join us for that
1: badass women's hour with harriet minter natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio Jill get you talking.
4: Welcome to the Badass Worms Hour, three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell and we're also joined for this section by the amazing Sharma reed founder of Wire Nails. Um, this is our Badass Balls Ups, the section of the show where we invite you to send us your problems, do so using the hashtag B-A-W-H, um, on Twitter, on Instagram or however you like and we will apply our nearly 100 years of combined wisdom mistakes lessons learned things we really wish we had not done to help you not make the same mistakes so first up today we are looking at business funding nat
5: so this came up we did our our monthly uh, event at the w hotel and we switched it around we said to women come along but you can also pitch your ideas to the panel for advice and contacts and, and connections and one of the key things that came up was where do i go for funding and so I wanted to make the distinction or share some information but make the distinction there's investment and there's funding if you are starting a social business or or something that's about helping other people you can go to organisations like Unlimited which is the foundation for social entrepreneurs and you can get up to £5,000 to start that business or if it's a charity you can go to a big lottery fund and get up to £10,000 through their awards for all Um, but Emma made a really good point that the conversation's right now is it's all about investment and taking money from people. You can actually grow your business organically using yep, the money you already have and mm-hmm. bootstrapping. And at the point where you want to scale, that is when you can possibly speak to business angels and investors and there are places you can go for that too.
3: Shama, how did you get going? I completely agree with that. I think you should bootstrap your business until you've proved you've got a market. Mm-hmm. There are stages to the whole funding process and I think people try to jump the stages. Really, you have an idea. You need to create uh, a basic version of it, an MVP. Then you should try and get some customers. And they have to be customers that aren't your friends or family. They don't (laughs) want. And then that's when you want to go out and try and raise a little bit of money to actually, you know, make it a little bit bigger. And then, you know, you go through all the series, etc. But I totally agree that there is actually free funding in a lot of places. There's an amazing website. I think it's called Grantree. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that. Please double check it. And, um, you know, it, it helps people find public funding, All the, exactly everything you've said. So, yeah, there are so many alternative options because funding is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And it completely distracts you from your business, which is why you have to time it right. It can't be when there are three, four new hires that you need to train and they you they need your guidance to run the business. It can't be when you're about to do a launch. It can't, do you know what I mean? Because except that for two to
2: three months, you're going to be off grid. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of celebrity around growing a business, and no one really talks about just bootstrapping and mm. just doing that, like just starting something. Uh, there's a great book by Julian Pimsler called Million Dollar Women, and that is really good in terms of just demystifying the whole process what's an angel investor, when you might need investing, what's a VC investing, because it is a quite a big town. Ta- it's mm-hmm. a lot to navigate, but yeah, bootstrapping is definitely yeah. underrated.
4: Uh-huh fantastic thank you very much guys so our second question is one that we should really I think know the answer to even though I'm not sure that we do but Emma tell us what it is so
2: this one is because we we've got the radio show but we also put this out as a podcast we do lots of extra bits on our podcast and a friend of mine was saying I know I really want to do a podcast but how do I start and I was like "Uh." Good point because Nat deals with all of that. <laughs> I have no idea, but I know we've been talking to Audio Boom and Acast and those kind of things. But yeah, i was thinking Nat, maybe you could yeah. share. Nat, remind just- us how did this happen again? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs>
5: Well, as momaja, as I call myself, (laughs) um, you know, getting started with a podcast, first of all, you need to know what it is you're podcasting. What is the conversation you're trying to have with women and what, you know, who is is the audience? Where are they? Uh, And it's really quite straightforward. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on an iPad. You can do it on an audio recorder. You can edit it. You can put it up live. uh, But you need to align yourself to some kind of subscription company if you actually then want to get out to an audience so there are companies like audio boom or Acast, and once you set yourself up with a profile you can a bit imagine your profile is like a facebook page there's a record button you can start your conversation and just record it and broadcast it and put it out live that's the that's the ground sort of level version and from there you can you know edit you can think of visuals for yourself but i would say the most important thing to think about is what conversation do you want to have and how is it different to what's already out there
4: and i think actually this kind of goes back to what you were saying sham about building a business which is like have a strong idea and test it go you know put it out there and test it and see what the responses you get back is that kind of what you do with all your products
3: constantly testing it could be it could be something like oh we're going to start doing vlogging in the salon let's test it with two put it out see what the response is and then we'll commit to investing in the equipment um in like writing rules for it hiring someone specific to do it you don't have the time or money to just throw all your eggs mm-hmm. in one basket i think testing and iterating is massively important
2: are you good at getting feedback though because the other thing about podcasts is it's such a personal like Personal chat or personal idea, and like when you're putting your products out, are you totally fine about getting feedback, good or bad? Or I'm if always take asking you questions. Time? Okay, and I and.
3: I annoy people because I'm thinking of them so fast that I'm not allowing them to finish before. I'm like but what about this and what about that I did it this morning to a girl and I was like so how did you do this and which one pays you more and she was like whoa you're interrogating me I was like okay sorry I'll step back <laughs> um, yeah I'm naturally curious person and I'm actually quite obsessed with why people do the things they do and how they make the choices they make and that's what drives me in my business so I'm naturally curious as to you listening to a different podcast over ours. why and then I'm going to make mine better
5: <laughs> <laughs> on that on your I follow it on Instagram and on your Instagram you've got reference you know you're into tech what ha, how do you think tech enables people to run their businesses in a more effective way or to reach more people
3: I think the main thing is automation I think that technology is an enabler and a facilitator and it is the ground like it is the foundation for what should be the foundation for everyone's business um i think it has has the ability to reach more people faster in a seamless way and it's just so exciting all the time it's interesting because i come from a fashion background there are so many similarities to fashion and tech whereby Mm -hmm. you're constantly doing new things you're Mm -hmm. seeing new things there's always like experiences and events like fashion i'm bored of fashion now because
4: it's cyclical yeah, But with technology, there's always something new. Love that. That actually feeds in really nicely to our next question, which um, comes from a younger friend of mine, because friends my age just wouldn't even know how to get started on this. So she is a regular user of the app Snapchat. And if you use Snapchat, you know that there are many filters on there that you can put on, some of which make you look kind of more traditionally desirable let's call it they thin your face down they make your eyes huge they give be big pouty lips um and unfortunately for her, she so liked these that she's taken them from snapchat and actually put these pictures as her pictures on her dating profile and she's now actually quite worried about meeting people in real life because she thinks <laughs> she, they might not recognize That's her. dating 101 fails <laughs> like yeah. why would you do that does she just have to start again Emma does she just have to clear it out and put new pics it's about managing
2: expectations yeah
3: (laughs) I'm always like um, worried that people are going to think I'm fitter online oh, right, than I am in real life and so I just try and have a mix of different angles and I, even on my Instagram if if I look too good in a picture you know like when the lighting's just per- when everything's just perfect per- I've and you're never like, taken that you're like, I, I know I don't look like that <laughs> I, I just won't share it I won't post it oh, so really? I'm like then people are going to see me and be like whoa <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's about managing expectations isn't it Definitely. it's like under promise over <laughs> deliver
4: <laughs> what is the best possible dating profile picture that you could put up there is it, it do we have to be really honest warts and all Or I can't can do internet dating
2: I can't like no it's just like it makes me feel anxious now I can't <laughs> even discuss it
5: <laughs> so I, I'm I'm still still off internet dating but when we did our photo shoot I took those photos and I put them up on my Tinder profile I, my profile's not live but I was like if I was going to reactivate this I am taking those photos where I had <laughs> all of the good lighting and that perfect <laughs> angle and the contouring and the full face and they would be the ones that go up because I think I look like that most that of the time is, <laughs> you, you <look> right,
4: <laughs> definitely not over promising there now <laughs> so that's all for our badass balls up this week but as ever if you want to tell us well no you want our advice on something do feel free to tweet us at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour or find us on instagram the same place using the hashtag b-a-w-h and we will solve all your problems in next week's show big thank you to sharmadine Reed, of One nails thanks for having me um, and we're going to be coming up after this looking at our backdated badass a woman from history that you absolutely need to know about so stay with us for that
1: Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio She'll get you talking
4: Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And today we are looking at a backdated badass, a woman from history that you absolutely should know about. Today's pick is the artist Frida Kahlo. And so here is our colleague Federica Romaniello
6: to tell you a little bit more about her. This week, we talk about Magdalena Carmen Frida Kahlo Calderon, known today as Frida Kahlo. She was born on July 6, 1907, in Mexico City, in La Casa Azul, the Blue House, a place she lived most of her life and loved. She had a pretty happy childhood, but when she was just six years old, she contracted polio, which caused her to be bedridden for months, and while she recovered, her right leg froze forever damaged, causing her to limp. In 1922 she enrolled at the National Preparatory School where she was just one of the very few female students and it was at the school that she first met the famous Mexican muralist Diego Rivera. Although she often watched as Rivera created a mural called The Creation in the school's lecture hall and confessed to one of her closest friends that she was romantically interested in Diego, Frida was in a relationship with Alejandro Gomez Arias at the time. And it was on a bus trip with Alejandro on September 17, 1925 when a vehicle collided with a streetcar. Frida was impaled by a steel handrail, which went into her hip and came out on the other side. While many would have hit depression during such a difficult time, Frida began to paint and finish her first self-portrait the following year, and she also joined the Young Communist League and the Mexican Communist Party. It was two years later, in 1928, when she reconnected with Diego Rivera, who not only encouraged her to pursue a career as a painter, but also reciprocated her romantic feelings and the couple married in 1929 and moved around America as Diego received his commissions. The marriage with Diego was all but calm, they had three miscarriages and both had affairs. In 1939, Frida moved to Paris for a period of time, that's where she met Pablo Picasso and Marcel Duchamp. This was just before divorcing Diego and during this time she also painted one of her most famous work. Las dos Fridas, the two Fridas. But Frida was still missing Diego and Diego was still missing Frida. In fact, the couple did not stay divorced forever. They remarried just the following year in 1940. Over the years, Frida's health began deteriorating. Her health issues became nearly all-consuming in 1950, when she was diagnosed with gangrene in her right foot. Then, in 1953, good news came. She received her first solo exhibition in Mexico. At the time she was bedridden, but nothing, nothing could prevent her from attending the opening night. She was escorted by an ambulance to the gallery and spent the evening in a bed that was brought especially for her in the middle of the gallery. Just a few months later though, the gangrene spread and she had her leg amputated. She was then hospitalized again in June 1954 with bronchial pneumonia. She was not stopped from doing what she believed was right. With an amputated leg. With pneumonia, she went to a demonstration against the US-backed overthrow of President Jacobo Arbenz of Guatemala on July 2nd. And this would be, sadly, the very last public appearance Frida would do. In fact, just a week after her 47th birthday, on July 13, Frida died at her beloved Casa Azul. Since her death, Frida Kahlo's fame kept on growing, and La Casa Azul is now a museum. Frida was also seen as an important figure by feminist movement in 1970s as an icon of strength and creativity and this is why Frida Kahlo is our backdated badass of the week.
4: So that was Federica Romanella talking about the artist Frida Kahlo and her incredible life. Emma She was kind of your pick. You wanted to do her this week, didn't you? What is it about her you particularly love? I think mainly because she's
2: always been on my radar. Like obviously there's lots of like iconic, uh, her portraits are very iconic. So she's a very familiar image. But I kind of realised I didn't know that much about her and I kind of wanted to. Um, So thought it would be a good pick for this week, basically.
4: And also the other thing that's obviously iconic about her is the eyebrow. Yes. we didn't talk about that, but the monobrow going all the way across. I love that kind of. You know of... what? I thought that, and I didn't mention it, but I was thinking <laughs> that. I was like, can I discuss her monobrow? Like, <laughs> but you know, what? it's a really strong visual statement. But she owned a woman. it. Yeah, she totally she owned, really it. owned it. Yeah. Now, what kind of stands out for you about her?
5: Her resilience. I obviously I, I knew about her as an artist, as a painter, as a woman of expression. Um, but I didn't know any of the backstory. I didn't know she was unwell. I didn't know about her love traumas. Um, so listening to that and realising that she was as brilliant as she was, probably because of all of the things that happened to her.
4: Well, certainly her childhood, like oh, the man. illness yeah. and coming back from it and keeping going no mm-hmm. matter what. Yeah. so I think, incredible. And that, I sometimes think when you look at really brilliant people, men and women, a lot of them have had very difficult childhoods. Yes. And it sort of taught them about how to build that resilience yourself
5: or or if it's not in childhood at some point in their life and and that kind of gives them the fight that that sort of get up and go or it course corrects it changed it changes um what they do with their life, and I feel like with with all of this, she was creating, and her art. I definitely know her artwork changes, and now my brain is sort of trying to connect. Well, was you know, was that piece after this thing happened, and her use of color? Um, so I, I would recommend to anyone to to, to go online and, and have a look at her work. It's so vivid, so 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 vivid, and we don't have that many female artists that we can point to, and you you can see their work, and you know that's a Frida Kahlo. Um, and, and, You know, lots of women that we can do that to. And, and that's one of the reasons I think it's amazing we've got her on this week.
2: Have you ever watched her biopic?
4: Is no. it Salma Hayek? Yes. yes. Yeah, 2002 yes. it came yeah. out. I think that
2: might be my weekend film. Yeah.
4: yeah, yeah because nice. the other thing that I love about her, and I don't really always like bringing this up when we talk about women, because I don't think women should be defined by their romantic relationships. But I did love her relationship with Diego Rivera and that, you know, I can't be with you. I can't be without you. Mm. Pushbull, which... I'm sorry to be like a stereotype, but I just love that. When it comes to an artist and that sheer yes. passion and romance, yeah, that That's sounds very romantic. It be. Very like maybe he was a narcissist. I mean,
5: <laughs> yeah,
4: he was probably a bit of an idiot, but you know, we <laughs> like to hope. We like to hope.
5: Leave him alone. I love <laughs> his name, Diego Rivera. No, I can't say. R- R- Rivera. Diego
4: Rivera. Rivera. We're oh,
2: gonna get fed back. Yeah,
5: yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah, she's very excellent. Uh, So that's really nearly all from us for this week. But as ever, we like to leave you with a badass principle for the week. Something for you to live the next seven days by in order to be more badass. So, now, what is our principle for this week?
5: Our badass principle for the week is course correct. And what do we mean by that? What do we mean by this? Uh, It's course correction is actually uh, related to space travel. And when the aircraft takes off and it's possibly going... even an inch in the wrong direction it could end up on the wrong planet so it has to course correct and over the course of this week and the conversations that we've had with lots of women but also our conversations um about gender and race i think it's important sometimes that we stop we think we assess we we look at our relationship to something we course correct we, we maybe change how we feel about it or we do some research we do some insight and you come back at it and get yourself back on track uh, in relation to life maybe you're in a job in a career in a relationship and it's not quite right and you know it actually stop you can course correct you can do something very small that puts you back on the right track and I feel like it's very poignant for this week
4: Emma, do you think that's possible? Just to make a small shift and put yourself back on the correct course if you think you're going off course. Yeah, I think the thing is I don't know why we have this this
2: mindset and that's some of the stuff that came out here on like the Twitter. It's like I don't understand why as human beings we can't just hold our hand up sometimes and go, Do you know what, I am a human being. I don't know everything, I don't always get it right. I mean for me, course correct is about being Getting myself comfortable with the uncomfortable, so challenging myself mm. when I feel defensive, or there's a conversation that I really want to have, but I'm like, oh, it feels a bit awkward. Like to to, you know, to own that and go with it, but also to just go, you know, I'm a human being, I don't know everything, but I'll try and be as open minded as possible.
4: Um, so that's what it is for me, really. Okay, that's lovely. That. Beautiful idea of being open minded, of deciding actually, do you know what? I'm not loving the way this is going, so I'm just going to bring myself back. You can do that at any point in the next seven days. And if you do, you know what? You should tell us about it. You should tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or find us on Instagram or using the hashtag BAWH. Or if you want to talk to one of us personally to say lovely things to us, please do. You can come find us on Twitter. I'm at Harriet Minter and Nat.
5: I'm at Nat D. Campbell. And Emma. I'm at Emma Sexton.
4: And if you really like us and you want to hang out with us in real life, IRL, you can do that too because on Saturday the 18th of March, we will be at Boom Cycle, the amazing spinning studio doing a badass women's s- hour like spin class i can't even believe- i don't even know it? how we've got talked into this, I <laughs> in the back. this, idea this was. lowest gear <laughs> we'll be doing a panel on kind of entrepreneurship and fitness and the industry itself and then we will be running a spin class afterwards <laughs> emma and i will be ba- at the back with booze or you can join natalie at the front <laughs> but you can find all the details for that on our facebook page or come ask us again on twitter wherever using the hashtag vawh and we will be back here on talk radio again next week
1: Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.
4: You've been listening to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. If you liked us, you can help us out. And there are some very simple ways to do that. First of all, give us five stars. Five stars, please. Anything less than five stars and a fairy dies. Or leave us a review telling us how wonderful we are, how much you loved our voices and how you can't wait for the next episode, which will be here on your podcast downloads next week
1: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey folks, I'm Mark Maron from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues